Shall we just open in a, in a word of prayer this morning and ask the Lord to, to help us? Heavenly Father, we just thank you that we're here this morning in your presence. And we sense that we need the power of your Holy Spirit as never before. Lord, we're living in dark days. We're living in days of sin and declension and decline. We're living in wars and, and fear all over this world. And we thank you, Lord, that you have saved us. And we thank you that this world is not our final home or destination, but we're going to be with you in glory very soon. And we can't wait. But until then, Lord, you've left us here to be a blessing. And may your spirit work through us. Now, Lord, please hide me behind the cross. And may the words that are spoken today not be my words, but your words. And may they touch people down to the joints and marrow of the soul and spirit. And may they be a blessing, Lord, for each and every person. We just commit this time to you now and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, I've been reading through the Old Testament and I had a message on my heart for about three weeks to a month. And yesterday I woke up and, and the Lord had a different thought on my mind. And I said, I told the rain this morning, I said, OK, that's a different topic. So I, I took a completely different turn. And so may the Lord uh, use it to touch our hearts. You know, one of the highest positions that a person can hold in this world today is to be a king. You know, in several countries still have kings ruling, like in Saudi Arabia and Jordan and Sweden and Spain and many other countries of the world. And you know, when you're a monarch and you're a king, you execute complete authority over all aspects of society. But there's a king that stands above all the other kings. And his power... And his authority and his dominance is complete over everyone, not only in a society, but across the globe, over the whole world, in heaven and earth. And that king is none other than Jesus Christ. He is the king of kings and Lord of lords. And did you notice after Adel was praying at the breaking of bread that he mentioned that verse that Jesus Christ is king of kings and Lord of lords. And the first song that we sang at the breaking of bread, I was really blessed because it said majesty. Worship his majesty. Unto Jesus be all glory, power and praise. Majesty, kingdom, authority. Unto his own. Worship his majesty. Yes, Jesus is the king today. And he's sitting at the right hand of the throne of God. And he's worshipped by angels and glorified saints. But what about the people of this earth. How many people acknowledge that Jesus is king? Very few. How many people acknowledge that he's their king? Very few. Fewer. How many will say he's my king? And when you're here this morning and you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your savior, you can say he's the king of my life. But not only is he the king of your life and the king of my life, but he wants to be the king over every area of our lives, from the smallest things to the greatest things. And that's how it relates to us today. He wants to have his will done in our lives. So our subject this morning is, is Jesus the king of my life? If you look over this morning to 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 17, we'll read a verse that is very dear and precious that the Apostle Paul wrote to his son in the faith, Timothy. First Timothy chapter one and verse 17. It 
It's like a benediction at the end of this section. And he's been talking about how it's a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. And then he goes on in verse 17 to say, Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, to God who alone is wise, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Don't you just love that verse? You just feel like falling down in the presence of the Lord and bowing down at his feet and saying, Lord, you're my king. I worship you. I give you all the praise, the adulation, the glory. And that's what he wants us to do. And not just on Sunday morning, but every day of our lives. And so I trust that the word will be practical to our hearts today because we're going to be talking about some very practical challenging and convicting things. At least I can say it's convicting to me. I was studying this yesterday and I was saying, Lord, this is this is very convicting. But that conviction is a good thing for a Christian. We don't want to just go through life where everybody just pats you on the back. Oh, we all love each other. Yes, we do. And God loves us, but he has to change us. He doesn't want to leave us the way we are when we're saved. He wants to grow us and make us like Christ. And so he has to tweak us. He has to grow us and and change us and mold us into his ways. We're going to look at five things this morning. I actually had seven, but I couldn't fit them into the message. So I reduced it down to to five. But there's five things that he wants to be king of in, in my life and in your life. Number one, he wants to be king of my thoughts. Number two, and it's going to get even more challenging. He wants to be king of my attitudes. Number three, he wants to be king of my motives. Number four, he wants to be king of my words that I speak. And number five, he wants to be king of my actions. You know, it's a challenging thing. If you come in the morning and you pray, Lord, challenge me, teach me. I want to be under your authority, under your kingship today. He will do that and he'll do great things in our lives. Another verse that always encourages me is, is Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. Just turn to it. It's such a blessing. David writing, King David writing to another king, Jehovah, his king, his master and his savior. Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. Here at the end of this psalm, and he has known that God has searched him and known him, and he knows about his lying down and his rising up. He knows him even before he was born. He says at the end of this psalm, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. You know, David was one of those kind of people, which is always good as a believer to have this kind of spirit that wants God to have his way. And if he wasn't pleased with him, David wasn't pleased. He wanted to please the Lord. So he says, Lord, turn on your searchlight and search my heart. Now, that's a tough prayer, but that's what God wants us to do. He doesn't want us to sugarcoat over sin in our lives or or things that aren't right that need to be changed and sweep them under the carpet. No, they have to be dealt with by the king because he has the authority and he wants to do that in our lives. What a prayer that is. Are you willing to pray that prayer every morning? Wouldn't that be a great thing if we made a commitment today to say, Lord, I'm going to pray that prayer and mean it 
every day to search me, Lord. Search me down into the very depths of my life and my heart so that I can be pleasing in your sight. Well, let's look at the first point this morning. And the first question we ask ourselves is Jesus King of my thoughts. You know, God gave us a mind. And if my mind is anything like your mind, it's always thinking, always thinking about all kinds of different things. And our minds can get us into all kinds of trouble. And that's why we have to have the mind of Christ. We have to have our minds filled with him because otherwise our minds can run rampant into immoral things, evil things, wicked things. And he wants us to have the mind of Christ so that we can be victorious in our thought life. I mean, the thought life has been a has been a subject of many considerations over the years. And a lot of people say, I just can't get victory over my thought life. Well, we're going to tell you today there's a way to get victory over your thought life is by surrendering to Christ and allowing his Holy Spirit to clean it up. He wants to clean it up. It's like if you've got a computer, you've got to go in and you've got to clear out the virus. If there's a virus in there, you've got to clear out that virus because the computer won't run without that virus being cleaned out. And so, too, he wants to clean out the viruses in our minds today to make our minds pure and holy so we can have thoughts of him and thoughts of good things and glorious things for the Lord. That's how we can get the victory. I love what Paul said to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 10.5. He said, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Now, I thought of that. Now, notice he didn't say some of the thought. He said every thought can be brought captive to the obedience of Christ. Now, I'd like to, when we get to heaven, ask Paul about that and say, Paul, you know, that's a challenging thing you told the Corinthians there. How can that be done? Well, it can be done because it's by the power of the Spirit. Adel was sharing on that on Wednesday night. That's the only way we can have victory over any of these areas of our life where we can make him king and Lord and master over all these things is by his power as we yield to him. Do you know that the devil is working 24-7 to drag you down as a Christian. That's what he wants you to do. He wants to drag you down into the mud, into the mire and into the muck of this sinful world. He wants to take your thoughts. He wants you to think about those things and dwell on those things and be anxious about them and troubled by them. He wants to confuse you and alienate you and make you miserable. But guess what? Jesus Christ is still King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He's still under, he's got everything under control. I was thinking as that I was, I was coming to church today. I said, you look at the world around you today and it is a mess. But we keep in mind that God has still got everything under control. He knows when the Lord's going to come and he knows when all these things are going to be changed. And praise God, we're on the winning side. We're on the winning team. Praise God for that. But the question for us to ask ourselves this morning is, how are my thoughts? How is my thought life? Am I having victory over it or is it having victory over me? The Apostle Paul told the Colossians in chapter three and verse two, set your mind on things above, not on the things of this earth. You want to have victory over your in your thought life? Think about the things above. If you dwell on heaven and you dwell on the Lord and you think about the word of God and meditate on it and memorize it and study it. You are going to be victorious. I am going to be victorious. And that's why I love that scripture memory class that Ron has every Sunday. It is a blessing because when you fill your mind with the word of God and meditate on it, you're going to have tremendous things 
to think about. It's going to be a great blessing. And that's why David said, search me, O God, and know my thoughts. Yes, is Jesus the king of your thoughts? And secondly, not only is Jesus king of your thoughts, but is he king of your attitudes? Now, we're starting to, we used to say this years ago, Bill will remember that. Brother, you're, start, you're stopping preaching and you're starting to meddling. You're meddling in my life. You're talking about those things which are very personal and, and very needful. But it is. And he wants us to have a good attitude. How many Christians or how many people do you know in your life that you can just see it on their face? They've got a bad attitude. Bad attitude. We've all been there. We've all had them. And it usually reflects in having a complaining spirit. Oh, we're complaining. Weather's too hot. This week it's too cold. I'm, Mr. Susan's probably free, he's freezing, right? Because he loves that 115 degree temperature. You and I are different from a different uh, set of genes there. But, but he loves the heat. Some people love the cold, but sometimes we're never happy. We're never happy. It's either too hot or too cold. Or this or that. We complain. And we can tell as a spiritual barometer in our life, if we're complaining a lot, there's something wrong with our attitude. And we need an attitude readjustment. And only the king can do that for us as we surrender to him. Reminds me of uh, Friday night we were sharing it. Mike, Mike was sharing a beautiful devotion with us and he was talking about being grumpy. You know, you don't, if you're like me, you don't like to be around a grumpy person because you come in smiling. How are you doing? And they just, with no expression of joy, they're just sour. They're, they're upset. They're grumpy. They just kind of take that joy away from other people. That's why certain people are. It's a bad attitude. May the Lord help us to never be grumpy Christian, but to have a good attitude. Well, I read a story about a very friendly waitress. You know, you've all been to restaurants where the waitresses are real friendly or the waiters. But this was a friendly uh, waitress and she was serving a customer, a difficult customer. And the woman she was serving was dour, depressed and dejected all through her dinner. And the meal was delicious. Well, then at the end of the meal, the waitress said as she was leaving, have a nice day. And the woman says, I'm sorry, I have other plans. Bad attitude, <clears throat> bad attitude. God wants us to have a good attitude. I would not tell you every day. This lady who is visiting here today, Sylvia knows, right? We work together at Irwin. And one day I was so thrilled when I came to church. She was visiting with Chi and, and, and the family and it was very good. And I see her every day. Well, at work, when I go into work, I go in and I smile and I say hello to every person in our group. Every person every day. And when I leave, I say goodbye to the, every person. People think, this is old. Dean does this every morning. And, you know. <laughs> well, you know, I, I think it has certain effect, though, because the other day, this girl, her name is Natalia. She sits right by the, by the door as I'm coming in. Before I had a chance to say good morning to her, she smiled at me and said, good morning, Dean. I beat you to it. <laughs> I said... I said, you made me very happy. I said, that is great. God wants us to be joyful and to have a good attitude because it'll rub off on people and it'll make the work environment so great. Same in your home. If you have the joy of the Lord and you have a good attitude, it makes things so much smoother and so much better. May the Lord help us to have good attitudes for his glory. And, you know, bad attitudes are really hard to hide because they come out. They show forth. But the key is, is Jesus king of my attitude? 
And, you know, we've all been there. We've all had attitude problems. But may the Lord help us to go out here today committing ourselves to the king and say, Lord, help me to have good thoughts and help me to have good attitudes as well. Well, number three, and this is a really challenging one, is Jesus king of my motives. Now, motives are those things that are deep down in the heart and you really don't know why people do certain things unless they tell you because they're motives. But God wants us to have the right motives. Do you know that it's possible to do all the right things, say all the right things, look the right way, have everything, everything perfect and all that. But if your motive is bad, all that is discarded because the motive is bad, especially at the judgment seat of Christ. When we get to the judgment seat of Christ, we're going to be so surprised. We're going to be surprised by the rewards that we get for the things that we forgot about totally. We did them with a good motive. We did them for the Lord and they were a little thing to us, but it was big in God's sight. And he's going to say, here's a reward for this. I said, Lord, I don't remember doing that. I don't remember saying that. He said, you did it. And I didn't forget. Here's your reward. And then there's other things that we're going to be expecting a reward for. I, he's going to bless me for this one. I know he's going to remember that. And I say, Lord, don't you remember that time I did that? I gave that message or I helped that people? I remember it, but your attitude, Dean, was not right. You were trying to show off. You were trying to gain the approval of men. Your attitude wasn't right. And so may the Lord challenge us to have the right motive in the things that we do. Some people do things to impress others. You see it at work all the time, to impress the boss. And so when the boss is there, you're working hard and you're doing all your work, everything's just great. But then the boss leaves. Everybody is like party time. I mean, they're sloughing off. They're not working as hard. Is it time to go yet? That's my favorite line I hear about 1030 in the morning. Is it five o'clock yet? I'm <laughs> so early in the day, but I'm saying Motives. It all goes to motives. What is our motive in life? Jesus had to rebuke the Jews in his day because he said they love the praise of men more than the praise of God. That's exactly what the Pharisees did. They love the praise of, of men more than the praise of God. If your motive is to please the teacher, the boss, your parents, and that's your only motive. That's not it. That's not fully it. The motive is to please Christ. He's the king. He's the boss. He's the master. He's the one we want to please. And when we strive to please him, then everybody else will be pleased as well. So that's where our, our priority should be. And it's a real challenge in our lives. Jesus also said of the Pharisees in John 5:44, he says, how can you believe who receive honor from one another and do not seek the honor that comes from God. I read another funny story. Now, this is a story. Now, think of this. This man knocked at the door. The lady opened the door. She said, how can I help you? He says, I'm sorry to disturb you, ma'am, but I'm collecting money for an unfortunate family in the neighborhood. The husband's out of work. The kids are hungry. The utilities will soon be cut off. And worse, they're going to be kicked out of their apartment today if they don't pay the rent by this afternoon. Oh, I'll be happy to help, said the woman with great concern. But who are you? I'm the landlord. <clears throat> okay, bad motive, bad motive. He's going to get his money, right? Still kick them out. That's what it is. There's a lot of people like that that have bad motives and you can see it. But it shouldn't be among the children of God. It shouldn't be among the subjects of the king. We should have a good motive. And one of the questions we can ask ourselves, we come to church every Sunday, why do you come to church? Well, I come because 
I'm supposed to come. I come because I've always come. I, become, I come because my family comes. My parents, my kids, we come. Is that, is that the right motive? No. The right motive is to come because Jesus saved us. He is here and we want to worship him. That is the right motive. The same thing we can ask ourselves is why do we serve the Lord? Why do we go out of our way to serve the Lord? And the attitude has to be the right motive is to please our master. That's the key to it. He wants us to have the right motives. I like this story, too. Here's the person. It said said this. Nothing improves a person's driving skills like the sudden discovery that his license just expired. Makes you drive real good, doesn't it? Motive. Motive. Pretty soon we're going on vacation and uh, we're going to drive down the the freeway. And you know, you always watch the drivers on the freeway. They're driving along 75, 85, 90 miles an hour. And then all of a sudden the CHP car comes. Oh, they've just become slow drivers. And now they're going 60, not even 65, but 60. Now I'm meddling. See, I told you. I told you I'd be meddling. I told you. I told you that. I told you. You know, you can ask a person why they did something, and here's different answers you might get. Why did you do it? Well, the first person said, I didn't want to look bad. Okay? Is that a good motive? Not really. He didn't want to look bad. Okay, come to the second person. Why did you do it? And these are good things they did. Second said, I I wanted to look good. Well, he's better than the first guy. The first guy just didn't want to look bad. The second guy wants to look good. But listen to what the third guy says. The third guy says, I wanted Jesus to look good. You know, I love these kids because they're so honest and they're so sincere and they love the Lord so much. They have the kind of heart that God wants all of us to have. He says, unless you become like little children, you cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. And I love the kids because they're so sincere. They don't have any motives. Their motives, they love the Lord. They want to come to church. They want to do it just for the Lord. We adults, we become older and we grow up and we start having motives. But God says, be like little children. Be sincere in your motives, in in your desires for the master. Yes, Jesus Christ is the king and we are his subjects. And he wants us to have the right motives. And then our fourth question we're going to ask ourselves today is Jesus king of my words. Here's another challenging one. Is Jesus king of my words? Somebody was mentioning this this morning in the scripture memory class. What kind of jokes do you tell? That tells a lot about about you. What kind of jokes do you tell? And what kind of jokes do you listen to and laugh at? There are some jokes that people tell at work. They may be funny, You have to resist that. I have to resist laughing at it. It may be funny, but it's coarse joke. It's an off-color joke. We have to be sober. And and they'll know. And they catch on that Dean doesn't laugh at that joke. Dean doesn't want to hear that joke. And that's the way the Lord wants us to be. The Apostle Paul told the Ephesians, Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And, you know, if we put our words to the test and try to think if every word that we speak, is it really profitable? Is it really edifying? Is it really going to be appropriate to the occasion? I think we would keep quiet more than we do. We really would. I like what Bill McDonald says about this. He gives three criteria for our words. He says our speech should be edifying. It should result in building up the hearers. It should be appropriate. 
It should be suitable to the occasion and it should be gracious. It should impart grace to the hearers. But sometimes our words can sting people. They can hurt people. And we don't want to have those kind of words. A man named Blaise Patchwell once said, cold words freeze people. Hot words scorch people. Bitter words make them bitter. And wrathful words make them wrathful. Kind words also produce their image on men's souls and a beautiful image it is. They smooth and quiet and comfort the hearer. We've all been in situations like that where the, where the voices and the words get loud and they get angry and, and you can come along with a soft word and just diffuse the whole situation. Because if somebody yells at you and screams and, and swears and does all these things and you just sit there, they have nowhere to go with it. It just diffuses it. It's like a fiery dart that hits the, hits the shield of faith and goes. And that's what the Lord wants us to do. It says in, in Proverbs 15:1, a soft answer, a gentle answer turns away wrath. May the Lord help us to have good words to speak of our king and of our Lord to others around us. You know, the worst thing that can possibly happen is if we have to say words and then we have to try to apologize for them later on. We don't want to have to do that. And one thing about words, once you say those words, you can't get them back. It's like taking a bow and arrow and shooting those arrows. Once the arrow leaves the bow, it's gone. You can't reach out and get it back. Those words, you try to get it back. You have to go and say, please forgive me. I was wrong. I shouldn't have said that or I shouldn't have said it that way. And we have to ask for forgiveness. But once the words go out, we cannot get them back. An old Arabian proverb says, when you have spoken the word, it reigns over you. But while it is unspoken, you reign over it. And that's really true. Because once we've said it, like I said, it is said. Is Jesus the king of my words? And then finally, is Jesus the king of my actions? This is a very challenging thing because people are watching us every day. And I'm always challenged by that. And the Lord tells us that he wants us to live the way we preach. He says, practice what you preach and preach what you practice. Because if you don't, what's the world call that? Hypocrisy. And the last thing we want to be as Christians is hypocrites. We want to do the word. We want to be doers of the word. Like James said in chapter 1, verse 29, be doers of the word and not merely hearers only. And that's where, as Mike likes to say, the rubber meets the road, doing the word, doing the word. Paul told the Corinthians, let everything you do be done with love and to the glory of God. And everything that we do should be done in righteousness and holiness and honesty and integrity. Even if nobody sees it, we should do it the best for the Lord. You know, there's a lot of times that you do things and nobody's around to see it, whether it's written or whether it's things you do, God sees it. Oh, you could cut a corner here or cut a corner there or make it a little different here or that. But the king is watching. The king is watching my behavior at work. The king is watching me at home. The king is watching me on vacation or wherever we go. The king is watching. And he's the one we want to please. Nobody else will find out about it. Yeah, you could cut a little. No, no. 100% or nothing. It's got to be right. We have to do what is right in God's sight. In one of the choir songs we're learning, it says, In the sermons that we give and the lives that we live, let Christ be glorified. Yes, he's glorified in our, in our words and our actions and everything that we do. 
Yes, we have to practice what we preach. My uncle Irvin, who great uncle, used to quote this so many times, all the time he used to say it. What you do, speak so loud, I can't hear what you say. And that's so true. That is a true thing. What you do, speak so loud, I can't hear what you say. Because some people are saying all the right words, but they're doing something different. So the, the actions are drowning out the words. May the Lord help us to have actions and words match up. That's the only way we can be a blessing for the Lord. So in conclusion, then, let us remember that Jesus wants to be king over every area of our life. He wants to execute complete authority, complete kingship and lordship of our lives from the smallest things to the greatest things. He wants to be king of my thoughts, that every thought will be taken captive to the obedience of Christ so that my thoughts will be of the Lord and the things of the Lord and that we can be a blessing to others. And then he wants to be king of my attitudes. And if I have a bad attitude, I need to confess it and ask him, Lord, give me a good attitude in what I'm going through. And some things we go through are very tough. It's tough to have a good attitude. But that's where the power of the Spirit comes for the Christian gives us that power. And then we can ask, is he king king of my motives? Am I doing it for the right reason? Not just am I doing it, but am I doing it for the right reason with the right and sincere motives? Is Jesus king of my words? The words that I say, are they a blessing to people or do I have to go and apologize for them? And is Jesus king of of my action. One of the favorite hymns that we sing on Sunday mornings is King of my life, I crown thee now. Thine shall the glory be. Lest I forget thy thorn crowned brow, lead me to Calvary. Jesus went to Calvary and he exchanged that crown that he wore from the eternity past of glory that the Father gave him. He took it off and he took the crown of thorns for you and I and he died for us. And if you're here this morning and you don't know the king, you don't know him personally, he's not your king. You can accept him today as your Lord and Savior and you can have a new life and then he can change your thoughts. Your attitudes and motives and words and actions will then be pleasing to him and you will go out of here so blessed. But do you need a change? The best place to go is to go to Calvary. Do you need a change in your thoughts? Go to Calvary. Do you need a change in your attitudes? Go to Calvary. Do you need a change of motive? Go to the cross and you'll see Jesus dying there with the best motives. Do you need a a change of words? Go to the cross. Do you need a change of actions? Go to the cross. Yes, he can change everything about our lives if we let him. But he will not force it on us. He will not force it. He's the kind of king that has absolute authority, but will only usurp it as we surrender and allow him to. If we don't, if we say, stand away, Lord, I don't want. No, he'll say, OK, I'll give if you give me your heart and give me all, I'll come to you. I'll give you a victorious life. But if you want to do it your way, feel free. But how many are going to be able to make it without the Lord? We cannot make it without the Lord. We cannot please him without his constant daily help. Shall we just close in prayer and ask the Lord to help us to apply his word? Lord, we thank you for the challenge of your word this morning. We thank you that you're our king, Lord. You're the king that came down from heaven and went to that cross in our place. And we're amazed, Lord, that a king would die for us wretched sinners. And Lord, you were spit upon, you were crushed, you were bruised, you were beaten. You went to that cross, Lord. The king died for his people and for his enemies. And Lord Jesus, we just thank you that you're king. And we pray that you'll be king over every area of our lives, from our thoughts to our attitudes to our motives 
to our words and our actions, Lord, so that we can be pleasing to you. Lord, this is a challenging word and we all fall short, Lord, but help us to apply these scriptures to our lives and that you might, as in the psalmist said, search me, O God, and know my thoughts. Try me and test my anxieties and see if there any be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. We just commit this day now to you and this week and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.